0: The following is presented to you by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I know there's still some people that will be uh, funneling in, but Tardy. we got a lot of material, so we're going to get going. Um, let me start by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Uh, this opportunity we have to look into your word and just to see uh, the principles that you've laid forth uh, concerning parenting. Thank you for the privilege you've given those of us who are parents now, Um, the children that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to uh, raise them and to bring them up under the principles of the Lord. And I pray that we continue to be faithful and that if our children aren't saved, Lord, you might do a mighty work in their lives and that uh, through hearing your word, through seeing your word lived out in our lives, Uh, they would truly be regenerated. That you would draw them to yourselves, and their wicked hearts would be transformed, and they would be new creatures. And we would see that evidenced in the fruit that they bring forth. This is our desire, Lord. Uh, Help us to continue to be faithful. We love you. Bless our time now. Um, It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well... Before we dig into this week, I'll just give a quick summary of what we went over last week. Um, We talked about primarily the goal of parenting. And when we were talking, by the way, I left, there's notes up here from, last week I had some people ask me for the notes from the first week, and so there's a few from the first week, a few from the second week, but then most of them are from today, so if you need the other ones, they're up there. Um, But yeah, we talked about the goal of parenting, and we said, first of all, Uh, Our purpose as parents is to glorify God. As we enter into parenting, that's what we want to do. Ultimately, our purpose is to glorify God. And our goal, so our goal within that purpose is to bring up children within the principles of the Lord. Within the principles that we're given in Scripture, we want to bring them up according to that. So we talked about that. We talked about, then we moved on to talking about the nature of man. We said that if you're going to, you know, raise these little humans... That God gives you, you have to understand their nature. And so we looked at the world's view of man, and we saw that, um, you know, man's sinful. Man's view is um, that God, man's view is that um, man is basically good, and God's view is that they're totally depraved. And then we moved on to looking at the operations of the heart, and we said there's, there was some overlap here, but we saw that with the Greek words that are used, it refers to not just the affections, which is what we talk about when it comes to the heart. In our society, we talk about the desires, the affections. But in Greek, they talk about the affections of the heart. They talk, they use the word uh, for will, someone's will or their mind, actually thinking. So um, we talked about how those all work together and that an infant really just acts on their affections. And as their mind is developed and you, develop, you help develop their mind, according to scripture, they'll act on um, those affections, but it'll be informed by their mind, which could be hopefully informed by Scripture. So we talked about that. And then we talked about God's directions to parents a little bit. We said the essence of God's directions, and we saw it in Ephesians 6.4. Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that was that's the essence. The essence of God's instruction to us as parents is to bring them up. And basically in the Greek, it just it has the idea of tenderly care for your children as you raise them up that's the essence but then we said the the execution is in the second half of the verse and he says um, fathers do not provoke your children but bring them up and he says in the discipline and instruction of the Lord so to execute that essence bringing them up where to do it in in the instruction and direction of the Lord so that as I said that mind will be informed by scripture then the affections will, will follow. If, if their heart is changed and truly saved, the, the affections will follow that. So that's what we talked about last week. So before we move on, today we're going to talk about the role of parents. So do you have any questions or any comments about last week? Any stories about your kids that have happened in this last week? I know some of you have younger kids. I don't have many stories anymore. My kids are both grown and moved out. Now I get to laugh when they call me about the grandkids. <laughs> oh yes good
1: I'm glad it's <laughs> happening to <laughs>
0: you <laughs> alright well let's let's do that then let's look at the role of parents um, we're going to break it down in, we're going to do it two weeks because there's a lot here so the first week we're going to look at a parent as an evangelist a parent as a prayer warrior a disciplinarian and then ne- we're going to spend a lot of time on disciplinarian at the end of the today. And then next week, we'll look at a parent as a teacher and an encourager. Now, these aren't up here as, okay, this one's more important than this one. I mean, they're just up here. Um, I would say, obviously, these two are very essential, prayer and, and evangelism. Um, but they're all important. So we'll look at those roles as we go through. So first of all, let's um, let's deal with that one. Parent as an evangelist. You know, uh, that's, that's a crucial role. God intends our family to be the instrument by which we're passing on biblical truth to our children um, from one generation to the next. So, as we consider this role, there's several key things that we need to keep in mind as we are evangelizing our children. First of all, never abbreviate or dilute the the scriptures. Never abbreviate or dilute the gospel when you're talking to your children, even the youngest children. You say, "Well, they don't understand it." They will. This can don't abbreviate don't shy away from discussing issues like uh, the blood of Christ the cross sin don't shy away from those explain the atonement for sin they, you say well they don't understand it they don't but you, you keep explaining it and eventually they will understand it so don't shy away from those things and sugarcoat things uh, discuss the reality of the resurrection you know the, explain that to them Thoroughly explain Christ's lordship. This is essential too. Explain his lordship. Um, explain eternal punishment. Explain repentance, forgiveness, grace, mercy. Make sure you don't leave any of those things out when you are um, evangelizing your children. Start very young and just continue to do it as they grow and it'll be something they've, they, they've heard and they, and, and they grow into. Um, be very discerning though because children are going to respond for any reason, especially for their parents. They'll respond and you know, you'll you think, oh, okay, they're saved. Be very discerning in that area. Um, they're going to want to gain your approval. They're going to want to gra- gain grandparents' approval. So you have to be very careful. You don't give them assurance is what I'm saying. Allow the Holy Spirit to give them assurance of their salvation. We have to be very careful. You know, Don't affirm these decisions that they make. Or I've accepted Jesus into my heart. Those things are not, you're not found anywhere in the Bible. Um, so, you know, be very wary of those things. And, you know, I never, when my kids were growing up, I never gave them assurance of their salvation. I would challenge them when they came to me on these things. I'd say, oh, well, what about this? I'd just challenge them on those things. Because growing up, I, I never went to church. And I remember going to a couple things with friends. And I remember sitting in these um, you know, youth groups and having the pastor say, okay, at the end, everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, raise your hand. I had no clue. I was like, sounds good, I'll do it. So I raised my hand, you know. And um, afterwards, I was hoping he was going to come up and explain this to me. Never talked to me again. But I thought, well, okay, I just, I did that, so I'm good. You know? That was so. I'm just. That's so wrong. Because then I had this false sense of security, this false sense of assurance that I was saved. So don't ever do that. Uh, Romans 8, 14 through 16, that's going to be a temptation though, as a parent. But Romans 8, 14 through 16 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading for uh, fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So their assurance will come from the Holy Spirit. Their assurance will come as they read Scripture. and begin to understand these things. Uh, Assurance comes. They're reading 1 John. Uh, They'll begin to understand these things. So it's it's very dangerous for us to give a child assurance of their salvation. Very dangerous. It's tempting, though. Uh, Believe me. I know. But we have a wonderful opportunity at that point to challenge them on salvation when they come to you. Challenge them. The last thing you want I mean ultimately is to tell the child oh you're saved I know you're saved and when they're not and then they you know that's it you just you're assuring them always they're saved they are saved no challenge them we want to provide comfort to our child that's that's just natural so they say things like oh don't worry about it I know you're saved or um, you asked Jesus into your heart at camp so you're good don't do those things guard yourself from doing those things Resist that temptation. Look for evidence. Now, there's many things in Scripture that talks about what's not evidence of salvation. Like, let's see, uh, mistakes... Uh, you know, we might mistake visible morality for... Um, oops, let me skip by that a second. Okay, visible mor- morality. We might say, okay, this is an evidence of salvation. It's not, necessarily. Intellectual knowledge. that's not... Uh, it's not a evidence of salvation. Religious involvement. Um, conviction of sin even. Self-assurance. Time of decision. All these things are not necessarily evidences of salvation. Now, there, what is an evidence then? Well, if we go to scripture, we can look for, we can see many things. A love of God. A true love of God. Rome, Luke 10 27, Romans 8 7. Repentance of sin. Not just a conviction, but a repentance of sin. You look for these things. Genuine humility. A soft heart. You know your kids sometimes, sometimes you'll have a child who's got a really soft heart. You know, They'll come to you, they're, they're broken over what they've done, and you, know, you can see this soft heart. But sometimes the child may be doing that just because they want to please their parents too. So just be discerning. The child's praying. They want to pray. Continually praying. Um, selfless love. And there again, that can be subjective because maybe they're doing this just because they want to impress their parents. You know, So just be discerning. Um, separation from the world, spiritual growth, obedient living. These things are evidence of salvation. They can be evidence of salvation. If the... I, I think I put a note, a little note in your notes. I said, if the first list is true of a person and the second is not, there is a cause to question the validity of one's profession of faith. However, if the second list is true of someone, then the first list will also be true. Remember, you're planting seeds that may not bear fruit for many years. So that second list, although they can fake some of these things, these things will be present in someone who's truly converted. And then the first list will follow. But if it's just the first list, it's not and it's for sure not signs of salvation. So, as parents, we need to be continually evangelizing our kids, okay? And that means saying it, but also when you're out about, you're doing stuff at the grocery store or whatever you're doing, you have your child with you, there's always opportunities, gospel opportunities at those points to share the gospel with them, um, show the love of Christ, just different things. So, that's the first thing. That's the first... Um, aspect that we want to talk about: the first role of the parent is the evangelist. Any questions before we move on to looking at the second? Al. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I guess you know when you bring up a child, you know, you're trying to train them in the church. So you know when you see these these things in your kids' life, they're they're doing them. It could be authentic Christianity, but like you said, they are—they are also trying to please you because this is what you yeah. asked them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you don't want to give them any kind of false assurance. Right. At the same time, you don't want to squash maybe what the Lord has done. Right. How, how do you? You know, what's your suggestion in, in, in finding that balance? Yeah. Um, well, I'll give you an example. I had um, an individual come to me not too long ago—a child older child but not not eighteen yet but and they were concerned that um you know they were doing this they were they did they sinned in this way and their heart was they really wanted to honor the Lord you know and so I could see something there and although I didn't say oh you're fine you're fine I said this is a great um this is I would be encouraged if I was you because what you're showing me here is fruit of salvation, you know. So I'm not telling them, "Oh, I know you're saved." But I'm saying, "This is fruit of salvation. You're showing a heart here that it um, it, it tends. It's showing me that you love the Lord, you know. Um, so then I would I instructed that individual, you know, keep staying in the Scripture, keep going to the Lord, um, ask for forgiveness, you know, be walking and being sanctified in the Word, you know. So you encourage them. Um, you don't just say, "Oh, I know you're not saved." You don't ever say that either. That's going the other direction. But um, you just say, you know, these are signs of someone who loves the Lord. So I'm encouraging you to continue in that direction. I want to pray with you. And, you know, and you'll see them begin to to grow either one way or the other as you do that. So just being wise and being encouraging, but not flat out telling them you're 100% sure they're saved and telling them you know they're not saved. You know, it's just being encouraging and, and shepherding them in that way. Does that make sense okay all right so that's the first one Um, being an evangelist that's that's one role second role is a a prayer warrior Um, this is the greatest tool that we have as parents is prayer I mean prayer doesn't control God we understand that it it demonstrates our dependence and submission on his plans and his purpose though so When we um, go to God in prayer, we're demonstrating our submission to him and understanding that he's in control of these children. They're his children. He loves them even more than we do. But we're going to him and um, we're asking for different things for our children. And I just put some different things that you could pray for, according to Scripture. And you could, you could pray for, first of all, wisdom for raising your children. The ability to trust God's providence as your child may start to maybe go off the rails a little bit And you're thinking, oh man, what am I doing wrong? Just trust God's providence. You be faithful in raising them. Um, Their salvation, obviously. We want to pray for their salvation continually. Uh, You're always praying for your child's salvation. Opportunities to uh, pour into them in that that way. Um, For an increased understanding of the knowledge of God. Pray that they would have an increased understanding. I have a list that I was going to bring you guys of a little thing that I used to keep in my Bible. I still, it's not the same anymore because my kids are older, but of everything I would pray for my kids. And it was right from Scripture. Everything I would pray for my kids each morning. And I can get you that list if you want. I was going to bring it and I forgot, but I can get that for you. Um, Pray for their protection. Pray for your child's protection. Not just their physical protection, though. Not just their physical protection from harm or sickness, but also pray that they would be protected from influences of the world as they go out into the world. You know, um, I've heard it said, and I'm sure I may even have said it in this class, people say, well, so many kids, they go to college, and then they lose their faith, they say. And I say, no, they don't lose their faith. They never had it. They were never truly saved when they go to college. That's why they, they turned away. First John says... They went out from us because they were never of us. So, these kids that go to college and it seemed like they were so, um, that first list there, they were so visibly moral, they had intellectual knowledge, they were religiously involved, they even had conviction of sin, and then all of a sudden they go to college and boom, they throw it out the window. It's because there was no heart change. It was just, you know, intellectual change. So, pray um, that there would be a, a true heart change and that they'd be protected from that. If they're saved, Go off to college, you know, st- you know, they still may struggle with those things, but now they have the Holy Spirit living within them. The conviction comes from, from Him. So, um, you don't want to pray that they'd be removed from the world, right? But that they'd be protected by putting on the full armor of God. That they'd be in the world, but not of it. That they'd have a, a, an influence on the world. That they would be um, sharing the gospel with the lost world. We want them to have an influence, but you don't want them to be um, dragged away into the in the world and then just pray that they would have strength and comfort in their trials see that all through scripture that they wouldn't be hopeless in their trials uh, pray for wisdom in their future decisions I mean you can look at the whole book of Proverbs and read that wisdom in their future decisions teach them the precepts of God to honor him in all of their decisions teach them how to apply the principles learn from God's Word Don't just tell them what God's Word says. Teach them how to live it out. Teach them how to live it out. That they wouldn't just make decisions based on their impulses, based on the moment, but that they're they're thinking with an eternal perspective. Choosing friends. Help them be wise in their choice of friends. Uh, Help them be wise in in their choice of education, career, spouse. Help them be wise in those things. Uh, pray for their relationships. First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, "Bad company corrupts good morals." So we just want to be praying for them, and then pray for their future heart of ministry. These are all things you can be praying for every day for your children. Continue to pray for them. We need to be prayer warriors for our children and our spouse all the time. Now, our intent in that is, uh, like I said, it's not to change God. To do our bidding, but rather to align our desires with his desires. And his desires are in scripture. We want his desires for our children. So we pray to align our desires with his desires. To align our kids' desires with his desires. That's what we're praying for. So a parent should be an evangelist, first of all. uh, A prayer warrior. And then a disciplinarian. This is where we'll spend uh, the rest of our time. Any questions though about your prayers for your child or um, anything like that? I, I I like to look back at. I have journals of when I was first saved. I was twenty six, and I have journals for about ten years there that I did every every morning. I'd write I'd write down what I was going. Story. We moved to California to go to seminary, and she was 17. Oh, and I get her there, and I take her down to the high school youth group, and it's 400, 600 kids. And um, I bring her down there, and the pastors up there so I say, "Hey, this is." I introduce myself. Said, "This is my daughter, my son. Maybe you could introduce him to a few of the kids, you know." And then I left. I come back after um, the service, after our Sunday school, and I see my son. Sitting over the corner, talking to two guys, just talking. I'm like, "Where's your sister?" He points over there. There's a corner. My daughter's in the middle. There's like ten guys around her. And I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> I like go over there. They're all talking. To her. I'm like, "Come on, guys, move, move, <laughs> let's go, let's go." Dad, they just want to talk. I'm like, "Whatever, you know." <laughs> so, but that's just my. It was my struggle with her. But you know, she ended up marrying a guy from Grace, a godly man. I couldn't ask for a better son-in-law, and she's a godly woman now, you know, so in the midst of that, you're just ripping your hair out, but I just was trying to be faithful, and just trying to raise my daughter according to God's word, I try to direct her in certain things, and, um, you know, I thank the Lord for um, bringing her through that, and now, you know, she's a godly woman, godly husband, got three young grandchildren, and um, I lost some hair through that, but so just be encouraged that you know, and, but I look at those prayers and I was just praying for it continually so be praying for your child now discipl- disciplinarian D- biblical discipline um, for our children it must be done wisely this is a, a big deal it has to be done wisely and discipline from a biblical parent is going to be reasonable it's going to be definable and it's going to be useful as you discipline your children, it's, it's going to be reasonable. It's not going to be burdensome. Your discipline isn't going to be um, just unreasonable and burdensome to where you know it's always um, something that's a burden on them. It's going to be reasonable. God's reasonable. He, um, he gave the ten. He gave ten commandments, right? And then he gave two great love laws that can sum up those ten commandments. Reasonable. We break every one of them, but reasonable but then the pharisees what they did was they took those ten commandments and they turned it into over 600 rules and laws and regulations and you know you hear jesus say come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and that's the context he's talking in these guys the, the law was just so heavy on them they couldn't keep it these people couldn't keep it because the pharisees had made, made it such a burden we don't want to be like that we want to be reasonable we don't, also don't want to be a walking minus sign. We're just saying no to everything. No, no, no. We don't even know why we're saying no. We're just telling our children no about everything. No good reason. It just comes out of our mouth. I'm guilty of that. I, I understand. We have to remember the child's ability to understand. They can't always do what you can do. They can't always do what you want them to do at the same level. So only give as much instruction that the child can digest at that time. Uh, you, you can you may be able to tell a 10-year-old to do one thing, but then maybe a 3-year-old, obviously they can't understand the same thing. You know, you, you tell a 10-year-old, make your bed, put your shoes on, comb your hair, and, and go to breakfast. A 3-year-old, all they can know is, oh, okay, I'll come eat. You know, but A 10-year-old can maybe grasp that. You want to focus more on um, the attitude of the child, though, as they attempt to f- fulfill these responsibilities focus on their attitude Colossians 3 2 says whatever you do do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men so wise parents will have rules that are reasonable but they'll also be definable clear instructions are given in Genesis 22 we see God gave very clear instructions to Abraham about where he was to go what was what he needed to bring and what he was to do. He gave him clear instructions. Do this, 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 and bring this. Uh, Genesis 22, two, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Clear instructions. It may be Abraham was like, What do you mean? You know, but they were clear instructions. They were definable. So both parents and the child, they need to know these are, they need to clearly understand the requirements and the consequences. They need to understand if this is a command or if this is just a suggestion for the child. Make it clear. Because although you may understand, you might know in your mind what you're, you're saying, they need to understand, is this a command that, that dad or mom is commanding me to do? Do I have to do this or are they just, is it just a suggestion? You maybe have to be very specific too, depending on their age. Like if you tell them to clean up their room, you may need to be more specific. Like you go in the room and you say, "I need you to dust the flat surfaces here. I need you to vacuum. I need you to make your bed, pick up your toys, and put them in the toy box." Those are clear instructions, detailed instructions. If you just tell them clean your room, it may be they, they it's too much for them, and they're like, "Where do I start?" You know. But give them these clear steps: dust your dust here, pick up the toys, put them in here, make your bed. You know, you give those clear, definable steps, and it's much easier. Now, you also want to be sure they understand, so maybe ask them to repeat what you just said. I mean, I know in the, in the military, they're always saying, you understand that? You understand that? <laughs> they, they tell you something they want to make sure you understand. So when you ask your child to do something, say, do you understand what I just asked you? Can you tell me what I, just want, what I want you to do here? So that you both understand the, the, what the expectations are, and what the consequences are if they don't do what you're asking them to do. So they need to be definable. Your your discipline also needs to be useful. We have to demonstrate the blessing of obedience and the the disastrous results of disobedience. So this discipline is is, there's a purpose to it. It's useful. All throughout the Bible you'll see the principles of cause and effect. Sowing, reaping. That's what we want them to understand. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, uh, this he will also reap. So this principle, it emphasizes the result of our choice. And we want the kids to understand the result of the choices that they're making. So we're essentially asking our children, which way will you choose? Which way are you going to choose to go here? Cause and effect. It's going to illustrate the benefit of leaving this foolish living and pursuing a skillful, wise living. That's what you're trying to demonstrate. You do this, this is a foolish thing to do, this is what's going to happen. You do this, this is a wise thing to do, and this is what's going to happen. So, Proverbs fifteen five says, A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Now, what's one of the greatest examples of learning from cause and effect in the Bible in the book of Luke? What's the great parable we hear that talks about cause and effect? Prodigal son, right? Prodigal son. He 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 just threw off everything and we saw what happened to him. And then he came back to his father. There's a contrast. In cause and effect presented it's it's framed in the context of rewards or consequences that's what you want your children to understand you want them to carefully consider their choices and you say well they're too young but you got to start when they're young you just even though it may seem like they don't know anything you're telling them start when they're young by the time they get older into their teenagers it's very difficult so you need to start when they're young so that they see this consistently all the time be consistent You want your children to understand. Do you want my praise, essentially? You want me to say good job. You know you're obeying, or you want correction. So, that's the choice they have. So, discipline that teaches cause and effect consists of these two basic elements: reward and consequences. So, let's just talk about those a little bit. When we talk about rewards, this is just, for the most part, it's just a clear parental praise for their obedient, or, or just maybe certain privileges they get because they're obedient. It's rewards. On occasion, you may want to give a little, go be a little beyond in your rewards. Not all the time, but occasionally you go a little beyond. You know, granting them a new privilege, or maybe going and buying something the child has wanted. You don't do that all the time because then they'll expect that all the time. But once in a while, you go and buy them something. You know, you know. I wanted to just reward you. you, you you're doing. You're being obedient. If they go beyond what's required, or perhaps perhaps do that, you know. If they stick with a, a difficult task, maybe pushing on to completion, maybe a special reward, instead of just giving up. Now you are not gonna punish them, but they they just they pushed on to completion. And maybe it's their inclination to not finish things. They usually don't. So they they're trying hard, they're finishing the, the task, even though you may say, oof. At least they finished. They they wanted to finish because they know that you it's right for them to obey and to finish the task. So maybe a a special reward is warranted there. Now um, consequences. This this will involve pain. Plain and simple, some kind of pain, um, either physical discomfort or pain from privileges that are removed. The loss of privileges is going to differ between children because they're value they value things differently. They value things differently. So. One thing you do for one child is not going to work, perhaps, with the other child. Um, and it's going, to, it's going to be most effective if it, it costs the child something. So the temptation will be to do the same thing with each child. For instance, one child may be devastated if you take their screen time away. And you say, okay, now you're going to have to read. You're going to be reading. Oh, the, some children would be devastated. My son, he had a certain... A little bit of a certain screen time that he had. If I took that away from him, oh, it was the end of the world. But my daughter could care less. So you had to figure out what she valued. You need to to know your children. You know, one child may love to read. So if the punishment is go to your room and read. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, please don't make me do that. Yes, I can't wait. You know, so you just have to know your child. What we want our children to understand is that God's the source of all privileges in, in, in life. They need to be grateful to God in everything. So they understand that you're not just doing this to do it. They need to be grateful for these privileges that God has given them. God has c- commands them to be obedient. So uh, we need to, they need to understand that. The, the ungrateful child finds these lessons very difficult to grasp. Mm. They're going to find it more difficult than a child who has a, a simple gratitude for any of the pri- privileges of life, and like once again, you need to start very young, because they you get older, it's going to be more difficult to to instill these things. Now, we'll close out here with five principles to understand concerning consequences. Okay, first of all, they must be enforced. I'm going to read Galatians seven here. Or, I mean, Galatians six seven and eight says, "Do not be deceived." God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So kids need to understand that God expects them to obey their parents. They have to understand that. Ephesians 6.1 Disobedience has to reap consequences. God is not mocked. This obedience has to reap some form of consequences. And also, the obedience, the child needs to understand the obedience must be immediate. It must be full. And it must be done with a right heart. We're not just looking for the kids to obey ten minutes after we've been asking them for ten minutes. We want immediate obedience, it has to be full, and it has to be done with a right heart. That's what we need to strive for. How many times have you done this? I have. I'm gonna to count to three. One, two, three. Oh, just a minute. You know, we we can't we can't do that. We're saying God allows um, delay. It's it's disobedience is what it is. Whether it's delayed or not, it's disobedience. So we need to require obedience to be immediate, complete, and without complaint as well. Don't use statements like if, if you don't if you do that again, you're gonna get a spanking. If you do that again, oh, okay, I I made it through that one. Or whatever. Don't use those statements. If if you gave clear instructions already that the child heard and understood, you made sure they understood it, you made sure they heard it, they repeated it back to you, and there's no excuse here, they understood it, they heard it, then what's the deal? Why aren't you obeying immediately? You understood it. They, They need to follow through. Now, I'm not saying they will every time. you know We all, we all stumble. We all strip, trip, trip up in these areas. We all at times will say, we'll, give them, we'll, let them, you know, we'll let them be like that. We'll let them wait for a few minutes, and say just a minute, and we don't discipline, but try to be consistent. The more consistent you are and the, the, the more consistent you are in, um, in requiring these things, the less confused the child's going to be child will be confused if we uh, one time were immediate in our discipline and then uh, you know later on we allow them uh, you know one two three or whatever they're gonna be confused what is it dad mom what should I do here so be consistent um, and require these things immediate full and without complaint and then tell them what's gonna happen if it's not immediate if it's not full and if it's not without complaint so don't threaten your child also with consequences that you're unable to or unwilling to fulfill. That's a big one. Sometimes we'll say, man, I'm just going to ground you for the rest of your life. Come on. <laughs> Don't threaten them with those kind of consequences that you can't fulfill. You can't carry out. Matthew 3, 7, 37 states, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're not willing to do it, your kids will see the hypocrisy. They'll see that. And I've done, I'm guilty of that. I've, I've, Come up with discipline for my son or my daughter in the past, and said, "Okay, this is the discipline. If you do that, and they do it, and then I'm thinking, that's kind of harsh. I don't want to do that, you know. Um, so you just need to make sure before you dole out discipline, make sure you think through it. Is this, is this? Make sure they understand what's going to happen beforehand, so you understand. So it's all clear. So there's no surprises. Um, that's the best way to go." Examples of what you don't want to do. You're on your way to say Disney World or something, and you tell the kids, "If you don't stop fighting, we're going to turn around and go home." You're not going to turn around and go home. You know, um, you're just getting, you're just driving into Atlanta. Are you kidding me? You're not going to turn around and drive home. But that's to say to the kids, don't, don't do that. Um, if you don't get in the car right now, we're going to leave. Or, or yeah, we're going to leave. Maybe I have that written. On. No, we're gonna leave without you. Yes, there you go. I have a story there. I haven't been a couple minutes. I had to tell you the story because it happened to me. My parents took me camping one time. I was probably seven years old. I have three older siblings. My older brother is eight years older than me, and he he used to torture me when I was a kid. But we went camping one time, and I was out. The camper we were getting ready to leave. They were all in the camper. It was on the back of the pickup truck. One of those campers that sits on the pickup truck. And I um, was out playing in this trail. And all of a sudden, I see the camper pulling out, leaving. I come running out. My brother's looking out the back window going. <laughs> <laughs> My mom had called the, the um, on the, whatever that thing, the intercom. Was everybody in? My brother says, yep. <laughs> I wasn't. So horrible. Torture. He tortured me. But I have to say, later on in life, he led me to the Lord's soul. You know, I can forgive him for that one. But. Um, so those are some bad examples. Now, um, also, effective consequences, they must be, inf- to be enforced, they must be age-appropriate. They have to be age-appropriate. Younger children will really benefit from swift consequences for younger children. You don't need to give them a lecture. Just swift, swift consequences for y- younger children. They'll be clearly established, that will clearly establish your God-given authority over them when they're young. You know they'll see okay mom and dad they have authority over me because you quick you quickly respond and give them the consequences and that's why younger children are you know they're gonna be spanked they're gonna be spanked because that's how you can do this um, as a child matures a point will come when spanking is no longer feasible they might beat you up but um, yeah so obviously there's gonna come a time when that's not the case anymore um, but they need to be implemented. Consequences. Also, as the child grows, be careful not to involve um, word battles. Don't allow that's not fair. But but he did it first. You don't allow that. He just discipline takes place, and, and that's it. Uh, Proverbs 26:4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or he will also you will also be like him. So you don't enter into that arguing that that you know back and forth with the child. No. Now, as the child. As they grow, perhaps into a teen years or even a little earlier, there may be times where you allow them to reflect on what you've done, what's taking place. Um, Allow conviction to set in. Only if the child's heart is soft, though. Allow conviction to set in. Let them think about it. But you need to know your child's heart there again. Um, At times, you may choose to illustrate God's mercy by lessening or even canceling the consequences uh, due to the child's tender-hearted response. You have to know your child, though. If their heart is tender, once in a while you say, you know what, I'm going to demonstrate God's mercy and his, his compassion, and you may at times forgive it. But that's up to you. You need to be discerning there. Also, the last thing, it needs to be based on, um, Oh, maybe it's not the last one, based on the nature of the offense, okay? We need to try and distinguish between rebellion and just a bad or a sloppy habit. Maybe this children is not being rebellious, this is just something they're, they're not great at, they're sloppy at. You need to determine that, and the, the, the consequences need to reflect that, okay? When it comes to rebellion, spanking should almost always be used for a rebellious young child. This includes talking back, disrespect, lying, immoral behavior. Um, consequences other than spanking are effective for correcting and instructing those or maybe it's something related to a sloppy habit, not outright rebellion. That's where you can use maybe some other consequences for young children. But spanking is is essential in those early years. Um, let's see. And also try to stay away from long, drawn-out correction. Um, they tend to lose their impact over time. It's long, drawn-out consequences. And it's just like, come on, just get it. It's like the death penalty when someone who murdered somebody, 40 years later they get they get executed, you know. It's, it's long and drawn out. The impact of it, I'm not saying it shouldn't do it still, but the impact of the, that kind of discipline, it loses its effect. So make your discipline concise, not long and drawn out. And then finally, it should be done in love and self-control. And that's very important. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if spanking or any form of discipline is done out of anger, with Without self-control you as a parent have just lost credibility and you've just crossed the line when you're angry no self-control you're out of control and spanking your child that's a problem It needs to be done with self-control in uh, in love letting your child understand that you're loving them when you're doing this and they can sense that now there's going to be times of course when that happens uh, when you respond in anger and discipline your child And only found out later, maybe, that the child wasn't guilty of what they'd done. In that case, it's imperative that you go to that child and you confess your sin to that child and ask their forgiveness. You have to go to them and ask forgiveness for what you've done. You've sinned against them. Do that. That's a teaching moment as well. And the last principle out of those five is that it should be stated ahead of time, as much as possible. So, um, here's some suggestions. Maybe stress that you, you give rewards or penalties because of their choices. Um, stress the fact that it's, it's God who's concerned with their behavior, not just you. And then maybe sit down with your child and show them these are some of the consequences for this behavior. Here's the consequences for this behavior. So they know. They know what's coming. It's not a surprise. And maybe you can't do that with everything. But try as best as you can. What you're trying to do here with all these things, guys, you're trying to have a structured environment for your child in all areas that's how they're going to thrive it's it's biblical and it's structured and you're loving them um, and you're being faithful and that's how the children are going to thrive so and then reteach them that behavior originates from the heart that consequences are aimed at impressing on them the inability to meet god's standards you want to Point to them that their heart is wicked. That's why they do these things. They can't fulfill these standards without the power of the Holy Spirit. Go back to sharing the gospel with them again and pointing them to Christ. So, that's kind of a whirlwind, but that's it for Discipline. Next week, we're going to look at the parents' roles and we'll consider the parent as a teacher and an encourager. So, any questions? Any concerns? Any, anything? All right. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for uh, this opportunity we have to talk about this crucial issue of parenting. We thank you for um, the the, the privilege of of parenting and grandparenting. We know that this is a gift from you. I pray that we would desire to be faithful in, in every area, that we would desire to honor you and raise our children according to um, your, your word according to the principles found in Scripture. Be with us as we leave here, Lord, uh, pray that you watch over us, keep us safe, and bring us back next week. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to a presentation from Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan. No part of this recording may be edited or distributed without prior written consent. For more information, go to mbcmi.org.